Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Secret Podcast with Sixth Sense Media and Service of Change. It's the show that challenges reality, questions at which you've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change, making the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural. And that's exactly what I aim to do. And yet again, another fantastic episode of The Seeker Podcast. I've been thinking about this topic since my discussion with my new friend, Shelly, last week. We talked about her travels out of body. This week, I'm going to delve a little bit deeper into another aspect of that from projections, Within the Matrix, or the Backdrop People, are there empty shells walking around this planet in our existence that may serve as a vessel for another consciousness to enter into and occupy and influence or manipulate the world around us? Really interesting stuff. Dolores Cannon talked about it in a previous discussion. I uh, came across it not too long ago, and it's just starting to click and resonate. Most of this discussion, uh, I want to give my caveat, will be Basically theoretical. I'm not I'm not jumping on this bandwagon right now. It's a topic that I want to explore. I want to explore it openly with all of you out there uh, and get your thoughts on it. Is this possible? Is there something to it? Um, some of the other content I talk about, I'm a little bit more confident in. This is just something I find interesting, and the dots might the connect. The puzzle pieces may fit on this one. If it fits your current research paradigm, then fantastic. I think somewhere we'll find some truth in this. Either way, it's going to prove to be an interesting discussion as I've been uh, delving deeper into this. I talked about it a little bit on uh, on my Instagram feed, and I've been doing the uh, the Seeker Journal uh, every week on on the YouTube channel, the Sixth Sense Media YouTube channel. Yeah, and I'm torn because I've got I've got some uh, a good following going on my my YouTube page as well. So I may start double loading, putting on both YouTube channels. I don't know what I'm doing here, but right now there's links at SixthSenseMedia.net. If you want to check out the uh, Seeker Journal, it actually populates right there. You can catch it, um, you know, every time I put one up, and it's usually every day that I'm putting it up there. Just various, you know, one to three minute thoughts or rants, whatever you want to call it, things that'll make you think for the rest of the day. And uh, Ray Davis is doing his affirmations um, and other thought provoking things as well. If you're looking for some positivity in your life, definitely subscribe to our YouTube channel. I think we're up to four, four subscribers. I think um, two of them might be me. And one is Ray. So <laughs> we're growing slowly, but we're getting there on our new YouTube channel. But check it out. The link's at sixsensemedia.net. Uh, what else? I have some news stories I want to get to and, uh, you know, just random stuff. Here's my here's my random thought right now, my my complaint for the week. Not really a complaint. Yeah, it's a complaint. You guys know I, uh, I work in real estate um, and the market's just kind of crazy right now. And did you ever have that feeling... That the universe is just working against you. I'd say back in February, March, I really stepped up my real estate game, and I, I you know, I was teaching full time. I'm a, a parent full time. I got you know my wife and three kids at home, three young kids under six, and um, and I was doing the real estate full time. So I'd, I'd work at school and I'd come home. I'd be answering leads and making calls. And on the weekend, I, I haven't had a day off. I don't remember the last time I had a day off. I've been so busy. And it seems like I've gotten burned by every client I've worked with. You know, I, I had one, I wrote like one or two contracts and then she just changes her mind and walks away. And 
you know, somebody else. It's just, and that's that's the business. You know, you, it, it's not necessarily wasted time, but it's up and down. But then over the past week, I've been losing deal after deal because either we're getting outbid, or some crazy issue comes up, or or whatever, and it just seems like the business is just falling apart in front of me. I'm doing everything right. I'm doing everything I can. Just circumstances step in, and I, I'm stepping back and going, "All right, is the universe trying to tell me something?" Is it trying to tell me that, like, dude, real estate's not your path? I'm not saying that's the case. I'm pushing through and staying the course because I like the freedom that it gives me. But also in the back of my head, I'm, I'm trying to see if there's a lesson there. And I want to get into that a little bit later, too. Um, you know, am I being pushed in a different direction? You know, we can, I, I've said, I say this all the time, you know, we can fight the, the wave of change, we can swim against the current or we can learn to surf. So that's where I'm at right now is I'm trying to surf through this wave of change, this wave of challenge that I'm going through. And I'm thinking, well, maybe it's pushing me to focus more on getting Food for the Archons done and uh, you know, focusing on promoting the show and Sixth Sense Media. That's what I'd love to do full time. I really would. Um I, I don't know. I don't know where the universe is pushing me. Um, but when I do this stuff, when I do this content, when I'm writing my, when I'm editing my book, um, and, and you know, I, 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 last week I did some energy work for a friend and just talking about it, I, I feel good. I like doing it. it just, yeah, I wish, I wish I could do this full time all the time. And maybe someday I'll be able to. But anyway, that's just my thoughts. You know, uh, when we face some challenges, don't give up. But be open to how can I surf this and ride this and see where it's going to lead me instead of being upset and panicked over it. Uh, you know, is, is this hardship or is this opportunity? I'm going to choose to view this as opportunity for change and for greatness, and that's what I'm going to keep doing and pushing through it. All the while, giving you great content, hopefully. So uh, I want to give, I think there's two news stories I want to talk about. First one I just came across comes to us from Yahoo News. It says, beware those scientific studies most are wrong, researchers warn. Washington, a few years ago, two researchers took the 50 most used ingredients in a cookbook and studied how many had been linked with a cancer risk or benefit, based on a variety of studies published in scientific journals. The result? 40 out of 50, including salt, flour, parsley, and sugar. Is everything we eat associated with cancer? The researchers wondered in a 2013 article based on their findings. Their investigation touched a known but persistent problem in the research world. Too few studies have large enough samples to support generalized conclusions. But pressure on researchers, competition between journals, and the media's insatiable appetite for new studies announcing regulatory breakthroughs, I'm sorry, revolutionary breakthroughs, has meant such articles continue to be published. The majority of papers that get published, even in serious journals, are pretty sloppy, said John Ioannidis professor of medicine at Stanford University who specializes in the study of scientific studies. Imagine having that job. I study scientific studies. The sworn enemy of bad research published a widely cited article in 2005 entitled Why Most Published Research Findings Are False. Since then, he says, only limited progress has been made. Some journals now insist that authors pre-register their research protocol and supply their raw data, which makes it harder for researchers to manipulate findings in order to reach a certain conclusion. It allows others to verify or to replicate their studies. Now, if you remember, uh, I can't remember the name of the little being that they found. Stephen Greer is breaking the story, and he was saying how you know, all their evidence pointed to this thing being non-human. And then the, I think it was Stanford, actually, that came out with it through Stanford, 
uh, one of their scientists came out and said, nope, this is just a human with a whole bunch of just genetic deformities. So, I mean, this this rings true when I'm listening to that. Um, going on here, let's see. Med- medicine, epidemiology, population science, and nutritional studies fare no better. I only said when he when the when attempts are made to replicate them across biomedical science and beyond, scientists do not get trained uh, sufficiently on statistic, statistics and methodology. Go back and read this. It goes into a little bit more stuff and examples. But you know, I've I've delved into this. I've gone down this rabbit hole after my father died. Let me tell you something. My father's doctors blatantly lied to us, um, or they're just completely ignorant as to you know, what goes on with cancer and how to best treat cancer patients. And from my perspective, they were just running a business. Uh, they were trying to get them all the drugs that they possibly could. But when we recommended things like, hey, what about medical marijuana to help with his appetite? They said, well, we can prescribe him Marinol, which is this replicant of marijuana. And Marinol, I think they said it was going to take like three or four weeks to get in. And we're like, dude's not going to eat by then. It's like, it could be too late at that point. Um, Treating him for the wrong type of cancer. Just my point is, we wanted to put weight on my dad, and their recommendation was put frosting on everything. Put frosting on all your food because it's got the sugar and help you gain weight. And I'm sitting there going, "Do you understand that sugar feeds cancer? Cancer grows and spreads when sugar is in your system. How are you going to tell my father to eat more sugar?" So th- this is what we're dealing with because the research. You can't, I, you can't trust anything, and I'm not smart enough, I'm sorry, I'm not well-read enough, well-educated enough in these fields to discern, oh, that's BS, that's legit, that's, I'm, I'm trying, I'm getting there, I'm, I'm, you know, but I'm just an amateur, right, really, trying to weed through it. Same thing when you start doing vaccine research, you're like, oh, you read the pro-vax stuff, and you're like, yeah, this is, we need to vaccinate, and then you read the anti-vax stuff, you're like, whoa, vaccines are so dangerous, you know, and I think vaccines, in theory, are, are a great idea. My, I'm getting on a side note here, but my personal caveat is that what I don't trust is the pharmaceutical companies themselves to be honest in what's going into the vaccines. I think a vac- if I think vaccinating is a, is a good idea, but it's the fillers and all the other crap and the, the heavy dosage schedule that we're bombarding our children with. That's my gripe with it. Uh, I'm not getting into that on this show, though. But anyway, sorry. Did, did you notice that I get triggered a little bit on that? I'm sorry. Here we go. Moving on. Uh, another story. I just want to lay reference to it. It's via Unknown Country. I'll have it linked in the show notes. It serves to change at Sixth Sense Media and in the Seeker newsletter. Um, the case for aliens that aren't so alien. And this is a pretty interesting article. It talks about how uh, in 1927, evolutionary biologist J.B.S. Haldane, he wrote that we need to be careful when looking for extraterrestrial life because it may look nothing like we've ever perceived, thought of, or experienced before. So we could miss evidence of extraterrestrial life. Well, this article goes on to talk about there's some studies, uh, researchers out of Oxford right now, who are saying that, well, we also need to consider the possibility that extraterrestrial life may look identical to life on Earth. They may replicate and have similar biological evolutionary processes. So you've got both ends of the spectrum, which I think is good. I think that's good science. You need to accept that, well, the universe has infinite possibility. So maybe alien life looks exactly like us. But you also have to consider maybe alien life is nothing like us. And this is where I get into you know the energetic stuff. As a kid, you think of aliens as a large, bulbous head, big eyes, skinny body things. You know, because they're alien, they look different, they look strange, but there could be, we could be interacting, or I should say, E.T. could be interacting with us, and we could never know it. You know, 
Terrence McKenna's work talks about the mushroom uh, being an extraterrestrial from another planet that spreads its knowledge through its spores, which are capable of surviving through travel through space. That looks nothing like us. Uh, some people argue that the octopus could be an alien because of all these unique characteristics that it has and the intelligence that it has. So a lot to think about on that, but I think it's important, as I say at the end of every show, keep an open mind. We are There is more in this universe than just us. We represent such a tiny, tiny fraction of what's out there and what is possible. Speaking of what is possible, I want to go deep down the rabbit hole right now, my friends. I want to talk as we explore this matrix of existence that we live within. You know, piggybacking on my discussion with Shelly last week, I, I, I see that a lot of you just really love this show. She was a great interview, I promise. I'm going to have her back on the show again. She's She's got a plethora of stories that she uh, experiences that she wants to share. Um, and she's inspired me to you know really try to step up my game, you know, to try to connect with these experiences a little bit more. And I, I challenge all of you to work with this as well because this is, we can travel. And, and I don't know, right now I have a strong running theory in my head of what this reality is, but I don't know what this reality is. I wish I could say that I did, but then again, what's the fun in that? The, the, I think the uh, the enjoyment is this journey of exploration and of learning. And anytime you piece something together, it's like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. I remember when I was working as an analyst, I swear I've always been I've always been the resident conspiracy theorist. You know, even when I was actually working in, in counterintelligence, I remember I'd just come up with these wacky theories. Not wacky, they were based on evidence that I was seeing. And you know, I talked about it in my book, Service. At first, I'm the only one saying, I'm like, hey, there's a threat. There's a cell operating out here. There's bad guys up here that want to hurt us. And everybody's like, I was told straight up, you're nuts, dude. Nobody cares about us up there. It's not a big deal. And I'm like piecing stuff together. I, I could just see it. I could see the connections between things. Everybody looks at me like I'm crazy. It's kind of how I feel right now. Uh, I'm getting sidetracked again, guys. I'm really charged up and energized for this for this show. But you know, talking to Shelly really inspired me to keep pushing with with what I'm exploring with my consciousness and hearing the accounts of her and others. I know, I can say that I know that it's not just this physical meat suit that I'm wearing. There's something more out there. I've, I've glimpsed it. I've experienced it, um, you know, in a, on a conscious level. And I think all of us have. It's at, on some level. And I think we can access it. So, Shelly was talking about her shift in consciousness, and she said that she goes into somebody else's body. She goes to sleep or she goes to meditate, and when she wakes up, she's in a real physical place. It's not a dream state. She's really there, and she's in a different body. She's a different person and has a different life. Now, I I explore this a lot. In, in food for the archons. I have a, a great section dedicated to it. And my apologies, I am giving teasers because I want to get you interested in the book. I'm giving full disclosure here. It's also stuff I don't want to share fully on the air because it loses its weight, I think. you got to get the whole thing together. Anyway, Shelly talks about this experience, how she, her consciousness shifts. Now, it, it, it's tough. It's tough to wrap your mind around that. And, let, you know, when you start thinking, well, what is consciousness? Where is my mind? You know, we're, we're conditioned to think... It exists in my head. But what if it doesn't? What if your head is just the processing software for wherever your consciousness is? Or it's like your mobile device, you download an app onto your phone. That app exists somewhere out on a server out in cyberspace, but you take a fraction of that app with your phone 
and it can function when you're in a remote location, but then you got to connect back to the cloud or to the Wi-Fi in order to get the full experience, the full upload, the full download, the updates, the upgrades, whatever you want to call it. Well, what if our consciousness is this giant cloud somewhere, and what that cloud does is it fragments itself. I'm going to have this experience here. I'm going to have this experience there. And there's multiple, if you believe in the multiverse or multiple timelines or multiple worlds or whatever, and it fragments itself in all sorts of different spaces. So now our consciousness, our higher self, is aware collectively of all these experiences, but each individual fragmented piece of software, meaning I, me, the individual you, we're having our own unique experience and learning until we, we can reconnect with that higher self and pass that data on. Well, what if because of these connections to the higher self and to these other bodies, they're open channels, they're open pathways for us to go higher self, boom, project me into this other timeline, this other reality, because maybe there's something to be gained from that. Maybe since we're all working towards the same learning objective in teaching the higher self, again, it's all theoretical stuff here, and my mind's just going. Maybe they're like two-way roads, two-way streets that we can we can traverse through and gain those glimpses. I'm confident that I've gained glimpses of other realities. Sometimes I'm me, I'm Dennis Nappy the second, but everything is different in my life. The people in my life, again, the the people. It's usually people I know, but we have a different relationship. And sometimes I'm with strangers, and sometimes I'm not me. And it's it's different from just a random dream. It, I, it's, it's hard to explain. It just, I'm as awake as I am right now in these experiences. And then when you wake up, it's like a mind melt. And all of a sudden, like, sometimes I wake up confused, like, where where am I? Who am I? And then if you've ever seen the butterfly effect where Ashton Kutcher then grabs his head and his nose starts bleeding and you got the two memories that are combined in the two timelines, it's not that intense for me, honestly. But I'm just trying to give you a visual example. But it's like my full reality as Dennis Nappy II, host of the Secret Podcast, takes over again. And those other memories, which seem so real, they get pushed into the back as almost like a... Um, they start to save and record in my brain as like a dream. But when I first am awake, it was a real experience. And that's what I take from it, that initial presentation. But then my conscious mind here assimilates it as a dream in my head, if that makes sense to what I'm trying to say. So Shelly and I touched on this last week. You know, we're able to glimpse other realities, maybe other aspects of ourselves, maybe other points in time in this timeline, or, you know, maybe other people in this timeline who we're connected to. And this ties into a show I did. I think it was my uh, emotional empath show I did a couple weeks ago. Maybe that's where the idea of a soulmate comes from. Have you ever met somebody and you just, you resonate with them, you connect with them, and you have all these strong feelings for them? Maybe they are other aspects of ourself. You feel like, oh my gosh, we're the same person. I feel like I've known you my whole life. Maybe they are you. I know that sounds weird. Maybe they are a part of you. And that's why you feel so good when you're in their presence because energetically you're having that conversation and you're having a discussion and sharing. The gaps are getting filled in between you energetically. That healing is taking place. That resonance, that frequency is there between you. 
So it, it, it really makes you think, you know, is there, is there something to all of this? Are we all connected in that, in that level? Are we sharing that consciousness? How many of us are there? Well, you know, and then it, give, it brings us to the next point, and I'm going to come back to this as well. If we're able to occupy somebody else's consciousness, can somebody else occupy ours? And I want to come back to that. I just want you to think about that for a minute. Dolores Cannon, she's a channeler. She's written several books. Um, is it Keepers of the Garden? Bringers of the Dawn? Bringers of the Dawn is a different book. It's Keepers of the Garden. But she, for those of you who don't know her, look her up on YouTube. Now, I'm not saying everything Dolores Cannon says. I take what channeling, what people who channel the information they give you, I take it with a grain of salt and I evaluate it as I do any other source of information. And here's how we evaluate intelligence. You know, you want to verify it by two or three sources, other corroborating separate sources. So you get somebody who channels information and they say, well, here's what the aliens are telling me. Well, number one, if you're not used to this stuff, that sounds crazy. I don't think it sounds crazy at all. I think it's highly possible that you can communicate through remote viewing, through channeling, whatever your method is. You can communicate with other intelligences across vast distances of time and space. I don't discount that possibility at all. With intuitive data, when you're starting to look at your intuition, you need to recognize, you know, I realized this years ago, just because you're getting intuitive information doesn't always mean it's accurate. Doesn't always mean, you know, when I, a couple examples here, when I first started perceiving things. I used to sense if there was like a, a ghost in the in the house um, or a spirit or a presence or just an energy. And I'd walk in and this is when I was, you know, very Catholic as a kid and my senses would go off and say, oh, there's a ghost in here. Jesus Christ commands you to leave. Get out. Get out. You're evil. Get, and I'd start screaming at it and cleansing the house. But like, I did it. I got rid of the ghost. You know, and when you think about it, that's a fear-based reaction. That's racist isn't the right term, but it's stereotyping, saying, well, you're a ghost, so you must be bad or evil. Um, you know, it traps us in that paradigm. It limits our possibility for experience. So I used to have those experiences, and I'd say, yeah, get out, leave, you're evil, you're bad. And then I started, as I started to kind of evolve a little bit, I decided, well, I want to understand what these things are. So instead of just casting them out of the house and shutting them down, I'd probe them a little bit. I'd explore them. What, what is this energy? And there were times where I'd get this sense, this doesn't feel bad. It feels nice or it just feels there. It's not, you know, I, I, I've had things pop into my home from time to time, especially when I was single living by myself. A lot of wacky shit happened there. Um, but I had some a presence that used to pop in from time to time. And I always say, well, he's really just, curious about who I am and I've got nothing to hide from this being at this point in time so I don't feel the need to cast it out and it was always respectful it never it never entered my bedroom it always it would always stand right at the doorway it wouldn't come too close to me I, and I was like wow this guy's just curious about who I am um, so I didn't cast it out and there's other times where I'll, I'll encounter something and I go whoa this is not good for me I don't like the way this makes me feel so if you can get rid of that fear, that knee-jerk reaction, and just say, well, what does this feel like? You can, start, you can start to explore it. You can start to learn to trust 
your feelings and explore the potential that this energy has within you. But you also have to understand that sometimes you might just get bad information. And that's what I'm getting to, and this is a roundabout way to talk about channeling data. You have another consciousness, or allegedly or supposedly another consciousness, could be another program running, and it's telling you information. Well, how do you know that that's not giving you information to manipulate you? How do you know that that's not lying to you? So we need to be mindful that just because you get something in a fantastic way doesn't mean that it's telling you the truth, doesn't mean that your best interests are in mind. And that's the fear that I have as we start to go through some of these processes. You may hear a voice, Corey Good, communicating with some alien, the Blue Avians. I've done a lot of talks about him. Just because you have a fantastic mystical experience doesn't mean that it's absolutely the voice of a benevolent God or a benevolent guide. You need to still step back from the shock and awe and wow factor and evaluate what you're being told. Does this feel right? Morally, does this feel right? Not, will I be ridiculed for this? Because you might be. That's not what I'm talking about. Are they giving me information that's beneficial to myself and my society and, and existence? Or are they giving me information that might be manipulative and misleading? You got to validate. You got to step out of the metaphysical sometimes and get back into the physical and do some old-fashioned research, have some discussions, look into it, explore it. But that's why we need to make the paranormal normal because we need to be able to, you know, in intelligence, we had all source intelligence. You, you'd look at human intelligence where you're talking to people, signals intelligence, you know, electronics intelligence, uh, you know, imagery analysis, and you'd get all these different levels of intelligence and then you'd put it into one center and everybody would talk and say, well, here's what we're seeing, here's what we're seeing. How does it fit? Well, you're the only one with the anomaly here. I don't think you've got good information here because everything else is pointing to you being wrong. That's how we need to start using this data. I have to give that caveat before I, I delve into this with the backdrop people. So, Dolores Cannon gets this information from channeling. She's written several books. I, I, I like her. I, I enjoy, you know, it's very thought-provoking stuff. So, in this one talk she gave, I'll, I'll have the links in the show notes and in the secret newsletter. In this talk she gave, she talks about what she calls the backdrop people. Now, she starts off her discussion of this. It's a 17-minute clip from a greater talk that she gave. She starts off this discussion by saying, you know, this building didn't exist until collectively we all decided to come here. Now, I'm like, that sounds crazy because you can go back in history and look and see that the building has been there for, you know, however many years. But then if you think about it, well, couldn't consciously, collectively we agree that we're going to create this building and the history of it and then backfill it? This is going to make your head hurt a little bit, I think. It's making mine hurt, okay? Because uh, I have a lot of points that I'm trying to make in a, in a limited amount of time. So you have, she's saying that you're collectively creating this. And I remember speaking with Shelly and she says, you know, there's different levels of reality that you can tap into when you're traveling. And there are some, what she, I think she, the word she used was collective reality or collective consciousness. Basically here, those of you listening to this show right now, well, I think we're all in the same reality. We might not be this. Maybe we're broadcasting on multiple astral planes. We, we might be this physical reality, earth, where, where, where I am right now. It's possible that this is a collective reality. We are all consciously contributing and creating the rules of this reality. So I can't just step in here 
and start changing the rules. I can't just change gravity because I'm one person. I'm one conscious entity right now compared to the however many people actually here are on this planet. I'll get into that in a minute with the backdrops. So there are more of you contributing, I'm sorry, more people contributing to this is how the earth works than there would be me coming in trying to hack it saying I'm going to break the rules because it's a collective contribution. Now, if you listen to some of the shows I did talking about life after death and the belief systems in the metaphysical world, in the astral planes, and these other planes, you're able to better create realities. Well, as I said on the show, heaven exists, hell exists, paradise exists. You know, wherever collectively a religion believes you go when you die, it's there. Does that make it real? Well, it depends on what you consider real. It was created, possibly, by us, by the narratives that have been told to us. It programs us into belief through our heart-conscious creative energy. I know this sounds new-agey, but go back and listen to the shows. I'm telling you, the information's there. We have the ability to create these realities. This is where the matrix meets Inception. If you think of Inception, they have the designers, the architects. They're the ones whose minds they go into. The architect designs the cities, the laying, the landscape, the playing fields, and everybody else collectively comes into that and contributes to it. I'm going to get back to Inception as well with the backdrop people. So, side note, is this what Hollywood is doing? Causing us to man manifest certain things in this physical reality by changing our thought process and paradigms. Don't believe it? Look at the sudden push for the ancient alien agenda. And now look what's starting to play out in the mainstream. Are we being used to create through our consciousness specific realities? Previously, it was the works of the, the religious leaders who were telling you what to think and what to believe. Now we've got things like Hollywood and TV and, and all this other stuff, my show included, unintentionally, that are planting seeds in your mind that may be causing you to grow the crop of creation. All right, so we've got the background here. Dolores Cannon saying we're creating things. Now she says when you leave your house, it disappears and doesn't come back until you show back up. Again, I don't know that I buy into that level of it. But it's something to think about. So she talks about these backdrop or backfill people and she says... They're created by us. And what they are are these empty shells that just walk around among us. She says, when I'm in an airport, I she, this is her quote, not mine. She says, when I'm in an airport, I say, oh, I created too many backdrop people. You know? And she's laughing and stuff. And everybody laughs. And it, like I said, it's very new agey. It's a little bit much for me. But I don't know that I fully buy into all of that because I don't know that I'm – so if you've ever seen Inception – when he's training, when the young girl is training how to be the architect, how to create the worlds, there's all these people that are there and they're all looking at around. And once they start to manipulate the environment she created, these people then start to defend that system. Those would be the backdrop people. He, she said, who are they? He said, they're projections from your mind. They're just filling in. Those are backdrop people. They weren't real. Or real in the sense that you and I are real. They don't have the same makeup. They're different from us. They're projections. They're programs. 
not really fully conscious. They're just playing a role. And I'd say they're almost like empty shells. And I, I, I'm, I'm pausing and stuttering because I'm, I'm processing this as I'm thinking about it, even though I've been thinking about this show all week. So whether we create them, because if we create them, then we got to go down this rabbit hole here. There was a story, I wish I remember who wrote it, but the premise of the story was this. This person died and was speaking to their higher, or was speaking to God and was asking, you know, why did I suffer during this lifetime? And, you know, God was like, well, it was your choice. You chose to suffer. You chose to, you know, have this experience. And then they went on to continue to explain that, you know, you are the mother and the father. You are the child. You were Hitler, and you were every single Jew that went through a concentration camp. You've reincarnated time and time and time again to learn. So every time you have an experience that's positive or negative, that's you doing it to yourself. That really made my head hurt. I mean, think about all the people that have ever existed on this planet. What if every one of those incarnations was you? Or what if even 25% of those incarnations was you? And there's not really as many souls on this planet as we think. What if it's just a small handful of us? Those, quote, woke people. I hate that term. But what if that's why we can't, quote, wake people up? Because they're not programmed to be able to wake up. Because we're here in some kind of a school. And those of us that are awake keep coming back in what they call the reincarnation trap to have continual experiences because this is just one giant learning machine, which is what I'm leaning more towards, that this may just be one virtual reality game. And Loris Cannon says the same thing. This is one big game. And that's a hard pill to swallow. And I'm putting it out there just for you to think about. I'm not telling you this is fact. This is just something I'm exploring right now. But what if there's truth behind that? You know, I talked about my show on fear a couple weeks ago. And Shelly and I spoke offline a little bit about it. And, and I've spoken to other people about it. When you have these scary out-of-body experiences, time and again, what, what people are reporting is when they can finally control that fear, the experience stops. And you move to another level. Your, your abilities increase. Your environment expands. Things change. And you realize... That was a freaking program. That was a game. I'm thinking back on a lot of my experiences and things I was trying to do, and I was hitting roadblocks. I was getting intimidated. I had things, I was waking up and things were sitting on my chest and pinning me down to the bed and screaming in my face in the middle of the night. And I kept saying, my biggest fear was seeing their faces. You want to see my face? I would say, no! Now I'm listening to other people's experiences, and I believe... That's the test because other people have had this and had the ability to say, yeah, I'll look at your face because you don't scare me anymore and everything ends. It's a game. Or it's, I, I really think as I'm looking at AI coming online, we're running some kind of a program. Tom Campbell talks about this a lot as well too. So let me get back to these backdrop people. I know I'm giving a lot of background information uh, and, and I hope it's beneficial to all of you. I hope it's not hurting your head as much as it's hurting mine. 
but when Cannon's saying we create as we go, and we create the building before we go there, and then it, or when we get there, and then it disappears when we leave, we got to think about the universe. You know, David Icke talks about infinite possibilities. Let's think about Schrodinger's cat. You have a box with a cat inside it. The cat is dead, and the cat is alive. Both possibilities exist until you make a choice and open it and choose to perceive it, what you're going to perceive. Or there's two timelines or multiple timelines. One, you open the box and the cat is dead, but there's another timeline. You open the box and the cat is alive. Another timeline, you open it up and there's no cat in the box. We have to consider that with multiple timelines, infinite possibilities. Every experience happens. The question is, can we access every experience on a conscious level? And it got me thinking about one of my favorite movies, The Matrix. And I still don't fully understand this line. And I've been trying to understand it for a long time. If you understand it, please go to the contact form at sixcentsmedia.net. Send me a message where she says, the, the oracle says, you've already made the choice. Now you have to understand it. You can't see past a choice you don't understand. I'm like, what the heck does that mean? I don't understand that. Dolores Cannon says, we program our lives before we, we reincarnate. We're choosing the experiences we're going to have because there's certain lessons that we're choosing to learn. Is that what's meant by you need to understand the choice? We get these hard, I'm having this hardship in real estate right now. What lesson am I supposed to learn? If I learn that lesson, if I acknowledge that lesson, does the experience end? Do I move on? Does my suffering end? Because suffering, as much as I hate to admit it, is one of the greatest motivators and teaching tools that we have here. It's an opportunity for learning. And that's a terrible thing when you watch your father suffer and die. It's a terrible way to learn a lesson. But if this reality is more than just this physical incarnation, and this, that experience is just a drop in a bucket, and someday I'll be reunited with that energy that is my father, will I look back and say, that was a tough lesson, but I, I learned it. I got it, Dad. I don't know. I want to hope that that's what this is, that this is one giant learning school and all this fear stuff. There's aliens, there's demons. They're out there. Yes, they probably are out there, but that's just one level of the game. We can move beyond that. And right now, that stuff's being used to manipulate us and still corral us to keep us trapped in these lower levels. Can we see past that fear? I'm still not getting to the backdrop, people. Here's why. So what if you have these backdrop people who, whether we create them or whether this matrix, this system creates them, if they're created by the system, then they're agents of the system. And maybe a lot of them are just workers following a routine. You'll see them in the background. They're the ones that are, you know, maybe running the cashier or doing whatever, sitting on the bus next to you. You'll never engage them in conversation. And they, and they, you know, if you were to track them down, they'd have lives, but they may be those people. Have you just ever met somebody and they're just completely okay with working their nine to five and never pondering the meaning of life and doing anything other than what they're told to do because the system tells them to do it? Maybe some of them are just programs. I, I know it sounds horrible to say that, but I want to explore that possibility. Why? Why? Does that then make it easier 
for agents of the system to come and occupy those bodies. Much like Shelley has demonstrated her ability to occupy somebody else's body. Or are they accessible to us? For us to be able to go have a different experience during this incarnation. I'm going to meditate and I want to, ex- I want to experience XYZ. Or I want to go to this location and see what's going on. Let me tap into my Android that's out there. As weird as that sounds. That's connected to this universal cloud that's up there. And go get a perception of what's there. And go interact with what's there through my consciousness. Is that a possibility? I I don't know. I do know this. I talked about this on a a recent show. And I'm going to share it again. It's an article called Exorcisms on the Rise. This is from uh, CatholicEducation.org. In a world where Satanists appear on Prime TV, neo-pagan religions gather vast followings, and tarot card readings are available in the newspapers, experts say it's no surprise that the number of exorcisms worldwide is rising. My caveat, paganism is not evil, tarot reading is not evil. That's the Catholic Church spin on that. But the article continues, Father James LeBar, exorcist for the Archdiocese of New York, said he has seen a large explosion in cases since 1990. Ten years ago, I had no cases. Now I have 300, said Father James Zabar, an exorcist for the Archdiocese of New York. And I've shared other articles on a larger scale where they're saying exorcism is on the rise. Now, if you've studied the Bible, they talk about demons existing. In uh, the one book, uh, I think it's in Mark, Jesus encounters the man who was you know, up by the ocean. He was cutting himself. He was disturbed. And Jesus asked, you know, what is thy name, spirit? And said, we are legion, for we are many. Cast us out into the swine. And Jesus cast out all these spirits out of this one man, and they jumped into the bodies of the pigs, and the pigs ran either off a cliff or into the ocean and drowned themselves. Food for the Archons, my book, talks all about the possibility of some kind of energetic parasite to attach itself to you, to manipulate you. Catholic Church is saying exorcisms are on the rise. I mean, I'd agree with the, with the full religion. That doesn't mean there's not truth behind what they're saying. Is that more evidence that, yes, there are these shells that are out there that can be occupied? Or maybe we're all some type of a shell. You know, I had an encounter where... Uh, I, can't, I can't share all of it. I'm sorry. I, I had an experience where um, I didn't feel like myself during a crucial moment in my life. And... I, and this is before I was really into all of this stuff. We're going back uh, almost 20 years, maybe, just about. And um, it just a fog came over my brain, and I, I messed up the opportunity, and I just wonder. You know, at that point, I said, it almost felt like I was possessed, and it was a crazy thought for me to have. And now here I am, almost 20 years later, thinking about this, going, maybe that was a for whatever reason, a critical junction in my life for whatever I was going on to do with my life, and it changed the course of my life. For good or bad, I don't know which would have been better. I'm enjoying myself right now, I got to say that. So maybe it was something benevolent that came in and just kind of made sure I got pushed in the right direction. Who knows? Maybe it was me. But we have to wonder, you know, do these things exist? And what are they? Are they from us? Are they from the Matrix? Are they from something else? Is it a system of control? Is this a prison that we're living within? 
or is this just one giant learning machine? You know, it's it's easy to go down that rabbit hole, and I do it often to say, hey, man, this is bad. We're prisoners here. We're on a farm. And you know what? Maybe we are on a farm. Maybe we Maybe things really are that bad, but maybe they're really that bad because that's the level that we're at in this game of learning. And once we can evolve past that, we'll realize, well, that was a necessary process for the next lesson that I'm getting in this incarnation. Things are bad because this is the program I signed up for, and it's hard, and it takes a long time, and you get these stories that, you know, reincarnation is a spiritual trap. Well, maybe it's just we're in an advanced learning machine, and until we learn the lesson, we get stuck here. You know, people say, you're tricked. I was having a discussion the other day about this. You know, when you die, you have these false these people posing as your loved ones, you know, some some accounts of near-death experience say, you know, they're posing as your loved ones and they're telling you, you know, you have to go back. You were reflecting on your life and you made all these mistakes and you sinned and you need to go make this right in your next incarnation. And they convince people to say, okay, I'll go back. And, and the person I was speaking with said, maybe, you see, it's a trap. They're tricking you into going back. And I thought about that. I said, well, maybe you're right. Maybe it's not a trap. Maybe it's a test. There's a difference between a test and a trap. And if you've evolved enough in your own consciousness and you understand how to trust those feelings and those intuitions and to evaluate the information that you're being given and not just accept it on face value because it's some spiritual, mystical experience. When they tell you you messed up in your life, you can say, no, I didn't. I had a kick-ass time and I learned a lot. And you know what? I'm not going back. I'm going to the next level. There's a movie, it was out back in the late 80s, early 90s. I can't remember what it was called, but it was about people who died and they were in, it was the equivalent of heaven, but it wasn't like a heavenly place, it was a business park. And they had the opportunity to, you know, to learn, to view their past lives. And what they were being evaluated on was, are you going to ascend to the next level or do you have to go back to earth? And what they were evaluating was, how many times in your life did you succumb to fear? And everybody who came, who succumbed to fear got put on a bus and sent back to the tunnel of light and reincarnated. And everybody who conquered their fears and moved on got on the bus and got to ascend. And I won't tell you how the movie ends, but it has to do with facing your fears. But the people that were on the bus, as they're going back to reincarnate, they were like looking all catatonic and like, oh, here we go, we're going back. So it might not be a trap. When we sit there and say it's a trap... And we believe that it's a trap. If we really have that conscious creative power, what we're reinforcing is, yes, this is a trap and I'm giving energy to that possibility. And since when we die, we're all drunk and confused, unless you're an expert out-of-body traveler, you may be sucked into that belief system that somebody's going to come here and tell me I have to go back. But if you recognize this as a test, as a giant learning tool, maybe you can go on to the next level. Again, I'm just throwing theories around here. I had to get it all out, and I think that I did. And I know I wanted to talk just about the backdrop people, but they were really kind of a backdrop to all this other stuff, I think. But I, I, I think that I think that it's important to um, get this in totality. It's all connected. What do you think of this? I, I would love to hear your thoughts. Hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Sixth Sense Media. Or really, the, probably the best way to get me um, you know, either through Instagram, author Dennis Nappy, the second, that's the number two, or sixcentsmedia.net, click on the contact tab, send me an email if it's a little bit more in depth. Um, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, please. 
All right, friends. Um, just about out of time here. I'm kind of exhausted now. Man, that, that was a that was a good one. But um, I, I want to direct you, if you have not read I Am Human and We Are Not Who We Think We Are, that's the introduction to Food for the Archons. It's a free read. I now have moved the platform uh, to sixcentsmedia.net slash I am human. You'll click the book and it'll walk you through putting in your email address. At, at, the, uh, at my other website at servicechange.com, I'd say every 10th person that subscribes to it has an issue accessing the file. SixCentsMedia.net slash I am human. You'll get it, no problem. It's PDF. You can go read it there. Um, please go do so. And uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts or even if you write a review for it on Amazon because it's up for sale on Amazon if you want the hard copy. Also, another commercial. Uh, you know, Check the links at SixCentsMedia.net. Ray and I are, are throwing up our, our affiliate links through Amazon. Um, if you find anything there that's interest, that interests you, please click on that. It helps support the show. It helps support the platform at Sixth Sense Media um, as we're trying trying to grow this this show. We have a bookstore as well. It's all affiliate links right now, but every little bit helps for us. So I'm, I'm continuing to populate it with books um, and things that might be of interest. We're, we're going to expand that as well um, just to try to keep this operation going because right now we're uh, a low to no budget operation. So every little bit helps. So if you click on the affiliate links, it gives us a commission. It gives us a cut um, you know, of whatever you buy that day doesn't cost you any extra money. It's just Amazon's way of saying to us, thank you for promoting sales to our platform. So that would be very helpful as well. So lots to check out. Uh, if you sign up to read I Am Human, you also get subscribed to the secret newsletter that goes right to your inbox every single Sunday morning. Uh, well worth your time. All right, friends, I'm going to end the show here. This was, this was, I think, a good one. I don't know. Maybe it was terrible. Let me know what you think. Have a great week. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been another episode of The Secret Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep open mind. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> oh,